Welcome to We're Talking. We have an opinion about everything, and it means absolutely nothing. Now, here are your hosts, the rocket surgeon and the brain scientist, but we're not sure who's who. Craig Malasa and Josh Jacno, they're talking. Welcome, everybody. Tonight we have Mr. Jay Walker, the voice of UL Raging Cajun Sports, and we'll recap the week that was and take a look at the week ahead. Welcome, Jay. Thank you. Glad to be here. Before we get started on the sports side of our talk, let's hear about your version of the story about the first night in Little Rock. Um, well, we got to... Um, we got to the hotel. We stayed at the Marriott downtown, which of all of the travels that we make, that's the greatest hotel that we stay at is the Marriott downtown in Little Rock. It used to be a Peabody, as a matter of fact. Yes. They used to do the duck thing, okay? And, and then they sold it to Marriott. Marriott refurbished it and uh, totally remodeled it. It's a very nice place. So we get there, and it's, um, gosh, I, I want to say it's about, Nine fifteen, nine thirty, and and we ask the lady picking up our keys, and we ask the lady at the desk, um, "Is the restaurant still open?" She said, "Yeah, but you better hurry because they quit serving food at ten, and then they shut the thing down at 11. So we hurry and we get down to the bar, and um, Brad Topham, my broadcast partner, uh, he's he's hungry. I'm not, um, so he orders. Two orders of chicken quesadillas, and he orders uh, a beer. Well, I order a double bourbon, and it was good. But then I saw on the wall they had something about the old fashions that they make. And I said, well, I have to try that. So I had a couple of those, all right? Well, the bill comes, so you got... Two mixed drinks, a double bourbon, two Bud Lights, and two orders of quesadillas. $149. And we go, wait a minute. Well, first of all, the double bourbon I had was like $45 because I didn't realize it was a 10-year-old. Okay? And then, but still, it seemed like an awful lot. So we, you know, we go ahead, we pay the bill, we tip. And Brad takes the receipt. And then a little while later, he comes back and he says, why am I being charged 40-something dollars in tax? And they said, mixed drinks at the bars in Arkansas are subject to a 32% tax. Wow. And did they say anything when we first ordered? No. So just, just tax was, I don't know, 40-something dollars. So no signage. No. Nope. So now I feel really stupid, as you know, for my little hissy fit about the 4% that is charged <laughs> for the credit card bill. That's on principle, though. I know. <laughs> I mean, I, if, if you're so proud of it, and make a big sign. Right? And come to find out that, that that heavy tax goes to the University of Arkansas Medical School. I mean, it's a direct tax that goes to them. Um, when I go to Jonesboro... I drink beer, so I've never noticed, okay? And and I I assume this is throughout the state. Maybe it's just in Little Rock. I don't know. Well, does Jonesboro even sell liquor? Well, they do in the restaurants, yeah. They do. That's right. Yeah. You can't go buy it in the stores, but they'll sell it to you in a restaurant. Uh, yeah. That's nice. 
Yeah. So um, the next time we ate there and uh, when we ate at other places, I, I had a beer. <laughs> well, all right. So your, 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 your story was a little bit more in depth than Brad. Well, no, they were just different, weren't they, John? I mean, they were pretty they, close. They were pretty close. Brad just wanted to get to the topic, though. I think he was still upset about the 30%. <laughs> yeah. It was the next morning at uh, right. 8.30 in the morning. Oh, yeah. I'm sure he had a lot to say at that time. Yeah. yeah. He was still pissed. <laughs> so let's talk baseball. How about the Little Rock series? What, what, what? I know there were lots of things there, and I know you talked to Coach Steggs tonight. And one of the things that I found interesting, and you brought it up, and I thought about it afterwards – uh, and it's easy to second guess, but was the Carter Robinson who hadn't pitched, would you have started him Friday night to move everybody up a day? I mean, no, I, I, I don't think so. Well, I would have talked to my pitchers. Yeah. Okay. I'm, you know, and I did ask him about the fact that Arigetti was pitching with two fewer days rest. And I asked, do you think it made a difference? He said, no. He said, you know, today, you can get video upon video upon video upon video of your opponents. And he believes that Arigetti might have been tipping his pitches and, and had been for like the last two starts. So they're working with him on that. I'll say this. I, um, I thought Arnold you know, just, was just very good. Agreed. I don't. I don't think this guy is going to be a professional pitcher, but he's a very good college pitcher, and and he kept he kept us off balance all night long. And you know, Mike Bollinger said it. Tony Robichaux said it. Matt Degg says it. There's a difference between losing and getting beat. And Friday they just got beat. Agreed. And and yeah. you know he he said if he had to do it all over again, or if he could you know see after the fact. He might have let Arigetti stay in longer to see if he could clean up his own mess because he uh, he brought in David Christie, and Christie's breaking ball was a little bit flat, and he got hit. And so two inherited runners scored, and then he gave up two more. It was a four-run inning. And um, he said he might have done that a little bit differently uh, if he had to do it over again. But, um, no, they, you know, Little Rock won the game. So – Remind me, Aaron Getty was pulled in the middle of a of, of an inning. Five and two thirds, I think. He okay. Went. So, and I think Coach Robe used to talk about it. That's one of the hardest things for a relief pitcher to come in in the middle of an inning. Yep. And not be and not know the strike zone. Whereas if you come in and you've got that warm up between innings, it's a little bit longer. It seems like, and you got the. Speak, speaking of strike zones, um, we had a great vantage point. Okay, we were sitting at a table. Uh, at the top of the stands, uh, because the, the, that very small press box uh, was the, the TV stuff and the scoreboard guy and the PA announcer. We had a great look at all of the pitches from all of the pitchers that were thrown. And I will say this. I thought the guys on Friday and Saturday, the ball strike umpires, were excellent. Best we've had this year. Now, the guy on Sunday now. Was guessing. Well, and I'm, I'm not going to say he was guessing. His outside corner, whether it was the left-hander or the right-hander, was probably about three or four inches off the plate. He was pretty consistent with it. When left-handed batters were up, he was calling strikes in the right-handed batter's box. I, yeah, I'm not going to argue with that. Yeah. I, I, but, he, no, he, he didn't give a lot of high-low, but he gave a lot of wide. Agree. Um, but he was still pretty consistent. But he I was thought consistent. The, I thought the true. first two guys were really good. I agree. 
Uh, I, I watched the game on Friday, and I texted you and told you I wasn't watching on Saturday because every time I watched an away game while listening to you, of course, you and Brad, uh, they lost. So I decided it was time to cut it, and they went to extra innings, and I felt good, and then we lost. But on Sunday, again, I stuck with my thing, and I did not watch the game, just listened to the two of you, and we won. So Connor Cook, that's the best I've seen him. Really? It's the best I've seen him. He made he made one mistake. Guy was looking for an inside fastball. He got it. He, um, hit it about seven hundred feet. And um, but that was all Cook gave up. I mean, he didn't give up his second hit till the sev- till the seventh inning. Yeah. And he um, he was masterful. He had all three pitches working, and it was like, you know, you 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 guys have watched enough baseball that there are just nights when the pitcher's out there and it's almost like he's playing with you. Yeah. Well, it was almost like he was playing with him. It, it's like, okay, what am I going to throw here? It doesn't matter because you're not going to hit it. And and that's exactly what happened. And in the meantime, Aaron Funk is the preseason pitcher of the year in the Sunbelt Conference. Now, he comes in with an ERA of five, okay, three and a half in conference play. And his issue has been his control. When he had his control and he had his stuff. And, you know, I'll give, I'll give th- th- this Cajun team credit. They battled and battled and battled. And then finally, Funk comes out of the game and one of their better relievers comes in. He has a little bit of control issue and we get some guys on base. And then Brennan Bro gets a big hit to tie the game. Great at bat, too. And the, oh, no, it was great at bat. Yeah. And, then, and then later laid down the squeeze bunt, which, which got the lead run home. So you're up three to two. Jacob Schultz was filthy. He's been filthy the, the last two outings. Yeah, he's very. I mean, he he did the same thing against McNeese. I mean, yeah. oh look, watch this. And the other night against McNeese, I mean, it was up on the scoreboard: 94, 94, 95, 96, 96, 96. And he was the same way. And everything had movement. And they had some left-handers coming up. They had a lefty coming up. And so they decided to go with Blake Marshall out of the pen. Well. Marshall strikes out the left-hander, and and Matt Deggs, by his own admission, said, I got a little greedy. I wanted to see if he could get the next guy, too, because I wanted him to face – I wanted to turn the, – the next guy around was a switch hitter. So it was left-right switch coming up. So he wanted Marshall to face all three batters. Well, he walked the second guy. Huh. And when he did, they, they went, he went ahead and made a change. He brought in Nelson. Um Nelson, you know, gets a strikeout, walks a guy. So they're at first and second, two outs. And then, you know, the, the guy hits the, the the ground ball to third base down the line. Wouldn't hit very hard. And uh, Borgie did a great job, fielded it, and um, wasn't a great throw. And I don't think it was a great job at first base either. And uh, the ball got by. And I have a question on Nelly. Uh, the strikeout basically blew the guy away, but... I thought he had two or three borderline pitches. He did. And, uh, I mean, you get, you don't have a great vantage point from where their camera set up, but if you, like you said, watch a lot of baseball, you kind of get a good feel. Judging by the catcher's glove, it looked like he got squeezed to me, and I made the comment to somebody. I think, but being that you had a better view. I, I think there was one pitch that the guy missed that might have been a strikeout. Um, I'd argue the same thing happened to Carter on Sunday. Maybe so. 
the, but, the but, walk before the two. Well, you know, we we have a tendency to have a little tint in our glasses when we look oh, at that sure. stuff. But for sure, it um, no, I I thought I thought that there were a couple of pitches that were borderline that he didn't get. Okay, I, it's not it's not like he was like all over right. the place. He the wasn't. Comment, comment is more to highlight how close we were to getting out of there with the win on Saturday, mm-hmm. and it was it was inches. Uh, but anyway, I didn't want to. In a lot of in a lot of ways, it was inches. Yeah. And you know, I never second guess coaches. Be- and and I don't ask very much about decisions that they make because it sounds like I'm second guessing coaches, sure. and I don't do that. The dumbest coach in America knows more than I do, and knows more than any of us do. But you see coaches and you see patterns in how they do stuff. Okay, lately Coach Deggs has been uh, he's been matching left right out of the bullpen and and making tons of changes and and. That's the way he's been doing it. There have also been games this year where it's the ninth inning and he'll make a couple of defensive changes. And one of the changes he makes frequently is he gets Fitzgerald out of the game and puts C.J. Willis at first base. And sometimes he'll go ahead and take the third baseman out of the game and get K. Fitz in there. Well, I was wondering when we got to the 10th and got the lead, was he going to move Borgonio to second? Willis was at second, play him at first and put K Fitz at third base. And he did not do that. He left it the way it was. And so I'm on the way home. I mean, you know, after the game and then the next, I'm on my way home and I'm going, okay, why did he do it differently this time? And I had to think about it a little bit. And I asked him during a commercial break tonight, and what I thought he was doing is exactly what he did. This wasn't, he, had, he didn't have a two or three run lead. He had a one run lead. And he didn't want to lose Fitzgerald's bat in case they had to go to the 11th inning. So he left it the way it was. Well, in retrospect, we could say, hey, you should have done this. But that's why he did it. And so now, uh, and that's what I thought it was. And so when I asked him and he said, yeah. I said, that's exactly what I thought. It makes perfect sense. It, um, but I'm sure second-guessers had a field day with it. Yeah, I'm sure they did, but I'm, you got to look at everything, like you said. I mean, where, where was his spot in the, uh, in, that, that would have came up in the 11th? I mean, was he the third hitter? Was he the fourth hitter? Was yeah, I, I, I don't think he was, like, number eight in line. No, yeah. it, it, because if I think he does, then maybe he makes the change. But and Quite honestly, uh, he's done a pretty good job at for first base for most of the year. You know, he has, and at the same time, well, you know, he's worked very, very hard, but he's far from being their best first baseman. Okay. Well, That's a good it, way to say it. You know, there was a first baseman, which I will mention about four years ago, that I thought did a – was worried about too much keeping his foot on the base and not catching the ball. And to me, the first thing you have to do is catch the ball because if, you're not, if you don't catch the ball, you can't get the guy out anyway, and he's probably at second base, if not third. If you look at it, on video, first of all, it wasn't a great throw. Okay, let's let's make that clear. It wasn't a yep. great throw. But if you look at it on video, he stretched a little bit too soon. Okay, and and so as a result, it it, it didn't Never work had a out. Shot. And now, I think he kind of lost his balance on the way down. And too. and that's and and you know now that's getting really really nitpicky. Sure. Okay, yeah, sure. but if you if you want to just go ahead and do it frame by frame or whatever, um, you know. Top and I on Sunday, 
in the pregame show, we talked about never let the same game beat you twice. Because, look, let me tell you something now. That was a gut-wrencher. Yeah. Okay? Those kids were devastated when that game was over with. And I didn't know what they were going to be like when they got to the ballpark Sunday. I just knew that if their lip was still hanging, they might be in some trouble. To their credit, they were more than ready. And, you know, Carter wound up giving up four in the, in the four innings, but we were hitting the ball from the get-go. And even their, their left-hander that shut, shut the Cajuns out for four innings, we still were getting some pretty good swings against him. And then he comes in with three guys who, who have already pitched because his bullpen's not very deep. And then the, the Cajuns started playing ping pong with the outfield wall. You know, you got 14 hits, eight of them for extra bases, six doubles, a triple, and a home run. Wow. And so it wasn't just that they got hits. It's that their slug was big. And, you know, Rockefort comes off the bench. He gets a big pinch hit double. And then the, uh, uh, the next batter gets uh, a double. And then uh, Fitzgerald gets a double. And Ozzy, it was Ozzy then Ben. Yeah, Ozzy. Boy, has he been hitting the ball. And, Absolutely on fire. And, and, um, and, you know, before you know it, you know, you got runs crossing the plate. And, you know, the bullpen, and, and let's remember the bullpen, we had tally for the last couple of innings, but it was Chipper Menard and Dane Dixon, okay? Not exactly the, the top guys in the pen. Right. But they go a grand total of five innings. They walked five, but they only allowed a couple hits and no runs. The bullpen, not the top of your bullpen, but they pitched five shutout innings. They got their three best guys, and we get seven. Dane impressed me. And I'll say this. I was also very concerned about mentality going into Sunday, and I knew it was a must-win. Uh, you know, a must-win, quote-unquote, but it felt like a must-win just for morale. Uh, and then, you know, getting, kind of getting back on the horse and continuing into this latter part of the season. Sunday was big, but... When you started telling a story about how Carter struck out, and I'm going to forget his name. Tyler Williams. Tyler Williams, and he, he glared at him and kind of get, gave the dugout a little what for. I thought to myself, we're going to be fine today. Yeah, I, and, I, and I agree. See, what happened was when the winning runs scored, all right, the, the dugout emptied, and it was kind of going on around shortstop, not too far from the cage of dugout. Well, it was Williams – who started talking a bunch of smack. Wow. Yeah, you could see that on the broadcast. He and, and, and our guys were, were not pleased, and the Little Rock coaches came and, and got him out of there. So when, when Carter struck him out in the first inning, he stared him down yeah. as he walked to the dugout, and that was, that was his message. Yeah. Now, I will say this. If that was a 2014 team, there would have been a war, okay? Yeah. There, there, there would have been, like, it, it would have been bad, 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 bad. Right. Okay? Um, it looked like the South Alabama fight. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's kind of what I was thinking. But, no, they, um, you know, Carter sent his message, and then they went and, and did their thing the rest of the day. You know, I think Williams is a good player. He's very, very athletic. He covers a lot of ground in center field. Absolutely. Uh, he's, he's more of a mistake-type hitter. That if you don't pitch him well, he'll hurt you. But you can you can pitch to him if you've got really good stuff. But he's got he's got a little bit too much of that in him. Yeah. And and he needs to he he needs to mature a little bit and and realize that 
you know, talking smack is, you know, that might have been great 25 years ago. Yeah. But it, you know, go play the game, go play it with 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 honor, and and let your bat do the talking. And he's got to learn that. He played some center field, boy. I tell oh, you what. Oh no, he was he was really good. He saved two or three runs. For Spe- sure. Speaking of center field. Yeah, TRs. The catch that Tyler Robertson made right up, and I mean right up against the wall. I heard y'all talk about it, and I finally got to see the video today on Twitter. That was crazy. Oh, my goodness. It was crazy. But, no, it was, you know, uh, to your point, Josh, you lose that game, and now you've been swept two weekends in a row, and now you're teetering, okay? Yeah. Instead... You go out, you get the win, you feel good coming home because you've gone out and you've swung the bat, you've competed, you've been physical at the plate, and now you've got an eight-game homestand. And, but, no, that, that was a big, big ball game for him. And, you know, I, I scoreboard watch, okay, and so I've started looking ahead. UTA was off this weekend. They played McNeese in a non-conference series. Was that always scheduled with McNeese? Because yes. I, I, for some reason, I thought it was somebody else. So they um, they host Little Rock this week, and then the Cajuns go up there a couple of weeks after that. So advantage UTA in that regard because they're playing at home. But they still got to go to Georgia Southern. That's right. Who might be the best team in the league, and. I think Little Rock Little Rock got just three home games the rest of the season. They have App State in a three-game series. Their bye week, they go to Sam Houston. Uh, they have to go to UTA, and they have to go to uh, – um, gosh, I forget who they play the final weekend. But, but they've – you know, they got to go, and they've got some tough games left. And this thing's going to come down to the final weekend in the West. Uh, and – you know, the question is, will a Texas State or a ULM or an Arkansas State wind up being a spoiler? Because Arkansas State, can you imagine if Little Rock goes to Jonesboro and wins instead of getting swept? They're running away with this thing right yeah, now. No kidding. It's not even close. But that's the way this league is this year. Speaking of Georgia Southern, they host South Alabama this weekend. And, and that's going to be for the East Championship right there. I'm very excited to see the outcome. And, and really, I'll probably end up watching those games because uh, those are two very interesting teams. I, I think Southern, like you said, complete. They can pitch. They can hit. They can, they're athletic. They can steal bases. They, they do it all. Their first two guys that they put out there are very, very good. They're, in fact, Tyler Owens, their number one guy, hasn't lost this year. I mean, he's, he's a candidate for pitcher of the year in the league. Um, and their second guy has been really, really good too now. They've struggled to find a consistent third guy. But you also got a guy in the bullpen that's getting ready to break Dylan Moore's record for saves in a season. He's got 11, and there's still a month left to go in the season. And the record's 13. Uh, He's a lefty, and his ERA is about 06. So they've got that for their pitching staff, but they have the best lineup in the league. It's a veteran lineup, and you've got, you know, Avant and McWhorter and Ledford. I mean, these are names that have been around for a long time. And they're a little thin near the bottom. 
but one one through about seven. I mean, they're just really, really dangerous. And the whole I, the whole thing for that series, first of all, it's in Statesboro. All right, so that's a big advantage for Georgia Southern. South Alabama has won eight in a row. And the whole thing is this. If Georgia Southern can get off the field with two outs, they'll be fine. South Alabama is uncanny in their ability to get two out hits. It's like 50%. Some, oh, no, it's stupid. It's, it's stupid. And so I'm, you know, I'll be keeping an eye on that one this weekend. It, okay. uh, that's going to be a great series. It's huge for so many reasons because as, if the season ended today, thank God, goodness it's not, but we'd be in the same pot as Georgia Southern, which I don't want to be in. Yeah, I'd kind of rather not that too. So, honestly, uh, you know, honestly, if we can stay away from Georgia Southern and South Alabama, uh, I'm, a, I'm not saying we can beat everybody else, but I, I feel comfortable, especially Little Rock not being at home. Uh, let's let's take Little Rock again, honestly. Okay, if you thought that Coastal Carolina would wind up being the worst team in the league, raise your hand. No. <laughs> They're not good. And you know something? They would have been swept by Georgia, uh, by Georgia Southern. There was only one inning. They scored like five innings. Other than that, you know. Yeah, they, um, they, they gave up some long balls on the, in that Sunday game. I listened to that Sunday game. I was in Mobile. I didn't have anything else to do. <laughs> uh, and, and, yeah, they, they had the one bad inning where they um, were coastal, you know, hit the button. Of course, coastal at home with the short porch and the, the wind's always blowing out. By the way. Nice job in um, getting the dimensions of that ballpark. Oh, thank you. You know, at at Gary Hogan Field, the dimensions listed are 325 down the line, 360 in the alleys left and right, 390 to center field, and 305 down the right field line. So... Craig, the Google Earth expert, checks it because I'm talking about it. And he said, well, heck, I well, can find it. was the second day in a row you talked about it. He, so he said, I'm, I'm going to find out what those dimensions are. Down the line, they're absolutely correct. 325 and 305. That 360 is 350. That 390 is 380. <laughs> and that 360 to right center is 340. Yeah. It's ridiculously wrong. And so, you know, there's a reason why they got a 16-foot fence all the way around there. Here's what I don't get about the, that, that field, though. And I know you and I drove by it when we were there for basketball in 2018 because I wanted to see where, and we had nothing else to do. But we drove by it. It's, it I know it's not, it's not sitting on a hill like I thought that dropped off so much. But I used Google Earth to take the, the ride along there. And, but there's a drain a sewer, uh, not a sewer drain, uh, a rain drain that rainwater goes into. Why don't they have drainage that just drops into there? Well, I, I don't know the answer to the question. I do Money. know. I, I do know this. Back in the eighties, they got they got the ballpark. Okay, Gary Hogan. The reason the field is named after him. Great. First of all, he was a, he was a very good baseball coach, and and he's I think still in the administration at Little Rock. He was athletic director for a while. I don't know if he still is. No, he isn't now. But but he's been he's been in administration for a long yeah. time. You know, he kind of in a way kind of built that ballpark himself. 
He raised over a million dollars. I was reading about it. And and but he did so much of the physical work out there. And and I remember the first few times I went there. You know, you walk in, they've got a nice brick facade on the outside as you walk up to the ballpark, says Hogan Fields in brick. You walk in and the coach's offices are to your left. And you walk down another couple of steps, and then there's a building to your right, which houses the restrooms, the concession stand, and the umpire's dressing room. And then you have uh, the, the cinder block press box that they built. The first time that I went there, none of that existed. They had a phone line that seemingly dropped out of the sky that we, that we <laughs> used to, to do the games. They have berms on the uh, first and third base side. They didn't exist. The deck out, out down the left field line did not exist. The dugouts have been redone. They had AstroTurf, and it was ripped by second base. They had a, an electric scoreboard built into, the, um, built into the fence out in right center field when it worked. And what they have is still not ideal because it's in a city park and in a not good section of town. Um, but at, it, the fans can at least see the game in comfort. You know, on Sunday, there were probably a 10 dogs there yesterday because people bring their dogs to the ballpark on Sunday. Which you could hear on the uh, broadcast. Yes. And you had the, you know, and, and you had the, um, the lawn chairs out on the concrete and the kids rolling down on the berms like they do at Cajun Field in the north end zone. And the crowd on Saturdays, the biggest crowd I have ever seen for a Little Rock baseball game, they had almost 500 people. That's, that's awesome. And they were loud. I'm very disappointed I didn't get to make the trip that just because I've never been to the ballpark and now I'm gonna have to wait two more years. So, but, uh, things happen for a reason and, uh, we'll get over that one day. <laughs> the crowd was loud on Saturday. And I remember thinking, I didn't know people went to the little rock games. It, it was very loud. You could definitely you, hear it. And they saw a great one. I mean, even though we came out on the short end of the stick, it was a good baseball games, game. Saturday. Well, I think all three games were pretty good ball games. No, all three games were pretty good. No, they were, they were, but uh, the the biggest crowd was Saturday. They had about maybe a hundred less on Sunday and they, um, but it was, it was really, really nice. And I, I, I enjoyed the weekend there because there was actually some atmosphere, which is yeah. something that you used to have to bring your own with you because they didn't have any, but they had atmosphere at the ballpark this weekend and, and props to them. So how was our crowd though for them? I mean, not I bad because we, we could hear them not on the radio bad. too. Sure. Yep. You know, um, some of the, the, the usuals weren't there. Now, Brennan Bro's family was there. They always yep. are. They make every trip. Um, and I didn't get a chance to meet everybody, but I met um, Tally's father. I met Jonathan Brandon's parents because they, they're from Bossier City. Okay. Only had a three-hour drive up there. Um, but there were some other folks that I did not recognize, do not know who they were. But they they had a few a few Cajun fans there. And and when I found out that, you know, a lot of the folks that usually go weren't going, yeah. I said, well, we're not going to have anybody there. But we had we had a lot more folks than I expected. I mean, they sounded great on the radio when we when we hit the ball and things would happen. And you know, I was I was at at first I, when something would happen on the radio i couldn't tell if it was good for us or good for them because mm -hmm. it sounded pretty that's even. why it was confusing <laughs> yeah no so, it was good no but it was we decided not to go last minute because of the weather but uh i'm kind of, I'm, I'm sad we didn't go well you know 
like you said, it'll be another two years before we go up there. Um, two more years before we get to stay in that Marriott again. That is a great hotel, by the way. What's so great about it? It's just re- redone and professional, or yeah, I mean, it's it's got what? it's got a great lobby. It's got a it's got a really nice restaurant. They've got a a special bar for thirty two percent tax <laughs> for, right. for Marriott <laughs> Club members. Um, they got a huge check in area so they can get people in and out, and they've got a very good valet service. Um, you got I don't know it's a eighteen nineteen story hotel. Uh, and you stay there and you can walk down the street and they've got restaurants and bars down the street. So you don't ever have to get back in your car 18 times to go do something. It's actually a pretty neat trip if you stay in the downtown area. How far were you from the steakhouse that we ate at for basketball? Was that out of y'all? Yeah, that was much closer to the ballpark. Oh really? Um, and yeah, that because um, it was we were in an NBC Suites. Or yes, something like that? yes, and and that steakhouse was probably oh maybe three three and a half miles to the east of the campus. I was glad they didn't have a thirty two percent tax when we were yeah, there. Boy, that no night. kidding. <laughs> and the um and and the place that the Cajuns stayed at was east of there and and not west of there. So it was a good. Probably a good seven miles to get to that steakhouse. Okay. Well, we're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we're going to talk uh, baseball against ULM and Texas State. So we'll be right back after this quick break. Welcome back, everyone. Jay, let's talk about the ULM game on Tuesday night. What do you see? Do you think anything's different since the first time we played them in the three-game series? I know it's going to be a different pitching matchup, obviously, because it's a week weekday game versus a weekend but who knows with ulm who do they pull what do they do where well so. i you know i looked at their numbers today and and the bottom of their lineup which was really pretty weak is is starting to hit the ball now so they're they're a little more competitive one through nine in the lineup they're um they have moved humminyuk to the, the leadoff spot which i find kind of interesting um and he because he's their best hitter uh, he's an all-conference guy. Their weekend pitchers have done a nice job lately. Now, they're starting a guy tomorrow night who's got – his numbers aren't good, okay? And I don't expect he's going to go more than a couple innings. But it's the guy's ERA is about nine. Yeah. Uh, and, and we're throwing Austin Perrin. So, you know, the Cajuns have an advantage there. But um, I, I – ULM is more competitive at the plate one through nine than they were when we played them, I think. Let me tell you something. Mike Federico's done a nice job at ULM with that team. Because if you remember two years ago, they barely qualified for the tournament. Yeah, they beat And us. then got to the bracket final, okay? Yeah. So they were playing their best ball at the end of the season. They compete. They've got a little pride in what they do. I'm not sure they had that a few years ago. but And it's taken him a little bit. I think this is his fourth season. So it's taken him a little bit of time, but he's recruiting better. But they make you play nine innings, and they're and they have gotten better. They're five and ten in the league, and I'm telling you, they are a team that could that could really really ruin somebody's cornflakes on any given weekend. I agree, and we swept them, so everybody is expecting to go in there and just take a W. But if you look at their nitty gritty sheet, they've got three or four quad one uh, wins. Yes, uh, some really nice midweek 
wins and some games that they competed in that they they ended up not winning, but they look like a competent baseball well, team. And like you said, it's a credit to the overall. Coach. Overall, I think they're a game or two under five hundred. Right. I mean, they, they they've but they're going out. They're competing. Um, so you know, I mean, you can't just throw your glove out there and win. Right. You know, you got to. I expect that Perrin's going to pitch the way Perrin is pitched, and if so, I think that you know the Cajuns are going to have a have a good shot, but. Um, that's not that's not your mama's ULM team. I'm telling you. Yeah, Parent looks like a whole different pitcher now that he's healthy, and hopefully he stays that way. Because, uh, like we talked about earlier, especially if we get to the conference as we get to the conference tournament, you're going to have to have four games. But at the same time, not saying he has to start, but he could pitch in two of those games if 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 they fall right in the schedule. Well, and and the other we thing, the left-handed guys. The other the other thing's this. Let's suppose the tournament comes around. All right. Let's suppose, now the number one seeds don't play on Tuesday, all right? So let's say you play on Wednesday for your first game. Well, if you get to Sunday, you can't really bring that Wednesday guy back, okay? That's, that's three days rest. So let's just plug in names. Arigetti and Cook to get you to the semifinals. Robinson to get you to the finals, and then you've got Austin Perrin to pitch in the championship game, and he's going to be as good or better than anybody else what anybody's going to have. I can't disagree with anything you said there. No, 100%. And then, look, if you get in trouble, you got great middle relief options like Jack. you got Dirk you can give a shot out there. You've got uh, – uh, I mean, I like Jeff Wilson. I don't, I don't know if he's not been healthy, but – I like Jeff Wilson in a two or three innings. Well, the guys that they like out of the bullpen the most are obviously Tally. Sure. Nelly. Um, you know, and, and the other guys I think you just mentioned, right. uh, you know, Jack and, um, you know, and of course, you know, Schultz. Um, of course. But they're, there's some depth here. And what's going to happen in the tournament to some of these teams that have some pretty good pitching is when they start, when they get to the point where they're playing their fourth game, you know, some of these guys out of the bullpen may not be as good. So we'll, well, we'll I see. I mean, that. that's really, you know, we're, we're, we're putting the cart way before the horse here, but right. I'm um, look, I, 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 I think from top to bottom, this, this staff's as good as there is in the league. And, um, We'll see what happens when, well, it, when it comes down to it. Like you said, you got to get there first, but at the same time, and who knows who steps up for another team, but a lot, like we've always said all along, all these guys have a, uh, everybody has a Friday night starter. And do they hold them back in game one? Does it matter? I, I don't think it does because the, it's so compact. And with it pool play, you have to win your first and second game anyway to be guaranteed that, that next spot. So it doesn't matter. If you lose one or the other, it doesn't, you know, it's not double elimination anymore. Right. So. This is the only year with this format, by the way. Yes. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. I don't know what the format's going to be next year. We'll see. Well, hopefully they go back to where they, where the, uh, I, what was it? Five through, no, six through ten play play on the first day and they do the single elimination to get into the double elimination. Yeah. I we'll don't see. know. We'll see. But that has yet to be determined. I'm not sure I hate this pool idea. Well, you know, this the the original pool idea, what was supposed to happen last year, because last year we were going to Montgomery for the first time. Oh. What was supposed to happen was eight teams were going to qualify. 
and you were going to have two pools of four. The first and second team in each pool was going to advance to the semifinals and then the finals. But with COVID this year and not knowing, they didn't want to penalize teams that couldn't play because of COVID and have them not make the tournament because somebody missed a series against a terrible team. So they decided that everybody would go. So now you got four pods of three instead of two pods of four. So I wonder if they, I think they have to go, I mean, I think they're going to go back to it then, but who knows? And that's for next year. Yep. Well, let's get past this year for, so, but speaking of which, you know, we've only have what, four series left? Yep. Man, a month, the there's fun. a month left to go. So a month from now, you're saying, well, five, well, no, four, four weeks from now in a couple of days, you and I will be having a cocktail in Montgomery. Is without, what without 32% tax, I hope. Um, interesting series coming up this weekend. Yes. All right. Just to refresh some people's memories. Everybody played, what, between 17 and 20 games last year. Texas State was like beating everybody in sight. Yes. They they were they were like really good. And that's why they were the overwhelming choice preseason in the West. Last year, Zachary Lee, their their Friday night, he was untouchable. He lost his first four or five decisions this year. Um, and it's not that he's pitched poorly, but this is not the season they were expecting. I mean, they're five or six games under 500. And, you know, they went out and Lee beat Arkansas State on Friday. They had to get two in the eighth and two in the ninth to beat Arkansas State on Saturday. They got run ruled on Sunday. And they just, and at the same time, I can't help but believe they're a dangerous ball club, even oh. though they haven't shown it at all this year. Uh, they're Aaron Funk. Yeah, I, I have to agree with you. I mean, I, I just, I, the, this team scares the living bejesus out of well, me. Well, I'm glad we're getting them at home. Yeah. Okay, I really am. Especially right now. Let's let's also, and, and just to remind folks that are listening, thank you for listening, by the way, that I think it's next week, Texas State hosts South Alabama. That is a non-conference series. It would they, They're both on a bye week and decided to play each other. So... Don't don't freak out when those, those games take place because they don't count as far as the standings are concerned. Interesting. And for those uh, on Thursday, we'll be having Brant Freeman. He's the voice of UT. Uh, uh, ooh, he would hate me for that. Yes, he he's would. The voice of the Texas State. So he he's ESPN Plus. He does their home games for him. So Brant's going to come on and talk Texas State baseball with us. Hopefully, get a little bit better idea of what's going on with the team and how they're approaching this weekend. So. That's on Thursday. We're at 11, so we should drop it by about 1 o'clock. So looking forward to that. I have a lot of questions for him because I had Texas State circled on the schedule. And uh, this has been about as bizarre a season that I've ever encountered with a team that I expected to be a whole lot better. I expect them to hit the ball a whole lot better. We, I figured they could pitch, and they still have been pitching. They, they, have, um, they have a lot of familiar faces in the lineup yeah. still. Yeah. yeah the, to me, they're the Aaron Funk of the Sun Belt. <laughs> I still don't understand how that guy lost five games. Well, I, and I'll tell you how Funk lost five games. He couldn't throw strikes earlier in the season. It's unreal. You know, you, how many times have we seen this year, you know, 
you walk some guys and and look, you you give up six runs and oh, five of them were because of walks. So right, I mean, we know all about that. Sure. And how many of them are the two out walk followed by an error that makes the next five runs unearned? There you, you are. know. It's uh, speaking it's of baseball. that, I really thought the Cajuns played well defensively over the weekend. You know, well, save save the one error. Friday, you know? you're error free. Mm-hmm. Saturday, you make the error to lose. Right. And then Sunday, Sunday, I think you made... Sunday, you get charged with an error that should have been a base hit. You talking about the hard hit grounded to, to no, Bobby? No, no, no. That was a hit that should have been charged it was as the an opposite. error. Yeah, which was absurd. The error that should have been charged as a hit was that bunt that uh, they had that that went down the first base side. It was bunted hard, uh-huh. and Chipper was a little bit late getting over there. Willis threw the ball behind him, but... I think the guy beats it out anyway. Runner had a beat by five steps. So I, I thought those were two scoring mistakes that were made. Uh, I They may have corrected the one on Lede. I know they were talking about it. Okay. Um, but the um, – and, and I even I even told their guy, I said, said I, you know, you're, you're, really, you're really hurting your guy there. That should have been his. Well, he threw the ball behind him, and I said, yeah, okay, I get it. You Did know? he go to second, though, or he, he was stuck at first? So no, right? he was safe at first. Yeah, but somebody on Raging Pajin, shout out to Raging Pajin listeners, uh, said that they had rewatched that and said that he would have been safe by three steps easily. Uh, well, see, that's why I thought it should have been ruled a base hit. Um, well, hopefully they change it and, and, and it doesn't hurt their guy. And, no, I know I know what happened. Um, on that on that play, there was the guy, the guy did wind up taking an extra base and he had he had charged the error to to, to CJ for to, on the throw on the throw and and um I think no he was charging an error yeah Sorry. the next play charging an error to the pitcher when the error should have been charged no I know what it was no 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 erase that you got to talk it through before yeah there was a there was a play Take that was made on the air where they threw a guy out at second base after the ball got away okay and the guy was trying to get back to second base he slipped and fell uh-huh. on that same play yep. okay the guy rounded second and, and he slipped and him. fell and we threw behind him and we got him and the question was he had given the assist to Menard the pitcher when it should have gone to Brandon, okay, and so we went. We went and got that one corrected. On, on that note, though, uh, about talking about it in the press box, how close quartered were you guys? Were you pretty close to everybody? Well, we well, weren't were in outside. the press box. We were we were at a table outside say, the press box. It press was just box. it was just me and Top at that table. Okay. Now inside, they had built like almost a second row. The, you got you got three TV guys, and an SID and a public address announcer and. They were pretty cramped in there, and because there's not room for very many people to start with in that in that little thing. Did you did you hear the Boyle boys? Is where I was going no. with that. Oh my goodness! Now on Friday, absolutely brutal. I, I every now and then I would I would keep y'all on, but I would want to hear what they were saying, and then I hear, boy oh boy, forty eight times. Two years ago, I counted it. <laughs> two years ago, they were doing streaming for the first time, uh-huh. and they had a very soft-spoken guy, and it was like it was Top and then me and then Josh Bruner and then the guy who was doing the the the, the, uh, the stream. And he spoke very softly the entire time. I think they had one camera. 
And this time, you know, they had, yeah, you know, more than one guy doing the game. They had they had a, a couple of different camera angles. They really improved what they were doing and taking a little pride in what they do. And you know, it's one of the reason, another reason why that you know, I I give Little Rock their props, man. It's it's almost like they. They're saying, okay, we we want to be part of this too. They had I, two different color uh, yeah, analysts. There was different from Friday to yeah. Saturday, and but you know, I was a little shocked that they even broadcasted at all because I just because I, I you know I know some games aren't broadcasted and we don't broadcast them all. So I was well, they didn't use ESPN Plus two years ago. They just did a stream, and so when I saw it was going to be on ESPN Plus, I said, "Gosh, I hope they've upgraded." And they did. They did. It looked good. Yep. Yeah, it was fine. It just just the sound. I thought I was back in Mayberry. Yeah, the boy oh boy got me. But yeah. everything else was good. Hey, Andy. But, you know, and not because there was a girl or a woman on <laughs> Friday, but she seemed like she got lost in mid-sentence. She was, she was like, she was talking and, but that's okay. We're done critiquing them. Yeah, don't I didn't listen don't, to don't expect Jay to join in criticizing broadcasters. Oh, because oh I don't no, do no, that. no, 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 no. We we criticize you enough too, so well, don't worry true. about it. It's true. <laughs> it's absolutely true. So, but uh, where was I going with everything? We have no idea where you were going with that. <laughs> now I lost my train of thought after. Do not try this at home, kids. <laughs> so you've got this. You got no midweek games next week, and then you've got a non-conference series with North Alabama. Um, who God bless them, not not very good. No, we have that that tendency, uh, and I know I know why we schedule them because they were the only one available. So unfortunately, but it is what it is at this point. And quite honestly, we're people that are worried about the uh, RPI right now need just need to drop it because it we're going to have to do a lot to get there. You know, so. South Alabama's won eight in a row. They have the best RPI in the league, but it's only it, it's only just a handful of handful of points better than ours and um i i i really think that this is going to be a one-bid league this year unless somebody just really like south alabama's caught fire if they continue to catch fire and then losing the championship game they're going to have a shot to get in but other than that i think this is a one-bid league i agree and it really that's another thing that's so i guess disappointing is the word maybe not the best word but you know we beat two lane two out of three had an opportunity to sweep the series They've gone out and taken control of the AAC. They're, they're ahead of ECU, who was nationally ranked, or at least they were the last time I checked. Still are. We've got a win over TCU and really was competitive that entire weekend. Um, you know, Mississippi State is what it is. They, those guys can pitch. They're probably a top three, legitimately top three team in the country this year. We were competitive. You know, we didn't really swing the back like we, bat like we wanted to. We, I didn't think we competed like we thought we could at the plate that night. But I, I, sh- I think that we showed we could play on the field with a team like that. Uh, there are a few others sprinkled in there. And, you know, say what you will. The, the results are what they are. And typically you'll say you are what your record says you are. I, I don't believe that with this particular team. I, I think we're a lot better than even we've shown to this point. I, I still like the team a lot. I, I think this team is still getting better. And I think they have a chance to get better. Here's the thing that they have to do. You've got... Everybody in your lineup is capable, okay? Everybody in the lineup is capable. Rocco is starting to break out of it. He was 2 for 28, okay? Lede's now 0 for 23. Uh, Tyler Robertson had a stretch where he went 3 for 22. 
Um, Kimple had a had a bad stretch where he went over about eighteen. Those have got to be put behind you. You can't have over nines, over tens. And if you do that and you start hitting up and down the lineup with some consistency, with this pitching staff, they're going to be very dangerous at tournament time. Tournament time, exactly. If you can protect Ben, give me somebody that's a threat in the two and the five hole. Protect Ben. You can make, I mean, you can do some damage, especially against Sunbelt pitching. Not that it can't pitch, but as you wear on into the tournament, there are opportunities to score runs. So, yeah, of course, we're looking ahead, but, I mean, at this point, like you said, the RPI is useless uh, for us to even worry about. Get into the tournament. Be playing your best ball. I know Deg said that on the post-game Sunday. Um, it's kind of coach speak. I understand that, but it's also true in this regard. In this season, with the things that we've gone through and still putting some pieces together, with the talent we have, with the depth, and really the top part of our, our of our pitching staff, um, I, I would put against anybody in this league. If you can get the bats rolling, not necessarily on fire, just somebody to put some protection behind Ben, and you know somebody to get on base consistently in, in the front of the lineup, top of the lineup. That's all we need, and we need a little bit of some things to go our way. We've we, we've had some unfortunate situations. A couple of things to go our way. Let's get the bats moving in the right direction and pitch. Well, we've made our mistakes. We've gotten it out the way. Let's go play some good ball. And I think we can. I know we can. Here's my little bit of theory here or a little bit of an observation. All I know is when my Reds were winning, my Cajuns were winning. My Reds have stunk it up and my Cajuns have stunk it up. I mean, the Reds went from first to worst in in the in the Major League MLB. Uh it's killing me. Well, let so, me ask you this, I need Jay. both of them to start winning. I'll ask both of you guys this question. Why is the defense better the last four to five games? I think that goes in cycles. I, I, I also I really think do. it goes in cycles. But I really do. Uh, first I, half of know, the season was just so We We bad. still have had days. I mean, look, what broke down most at, in, at South Alabama? It was the defense. There's no um, doubt about it. And then, and then a week later, you know, we make really when you get right down to it, two errors in three games. Uh, I, I just think it goes in cycles. I'm, I'm also going to say this. Teams that play on natural grass during the regular season are going to have a little bit of an advantage at the tournament. Yes. Because the tournament is played on natural grass. Interesting. And who's the best defensive team in the league by a wide margin? That would be South Alabama, who plays on, uh, wait, wait, natural wait grass. for it, natural grass. I, I can't disagree with any of that right there, and, and it never dawned on me until I knew where you were going with it because uh, it's the Montgomery Business home field, a double-A team. Uh, so, yeah. that. Mm. Well, we've got to play better defense. Uh, we can't walk guy with two outs or make an error with two outs and we got to start hitting the ball up and down the line like line you said uh, other than that we're great other than yeah. that <laughs> but, but you, I, I really think that it came down to south house defense and little rocks defense that those things won the games that we lost i mean we were competitive now look friday we got beat friday we got beat and i would also say friday against south house we got beat well game one against south house we got beat mm-hmm. uh saturday game two in both series and game three in both series 
Well, obviously we won the one this past weekend, but the defense really made crucial plays. And even though we play better defense, I, there's still some plays out there we can make. Mm-hmm. So I think it'll be all right. I think we can win too. Anything to wrap this up, guys? We're uh, coming down to, well, I guess we got a little bit of time, but still. Jay's drinking uh, Elijah Craig tonight. Josh is drinking water, and I am drinking water. In solidarity. In solidarity, yes. Next week, I'll have an adult beverage with Jay, and we might have to start one beforehand. We might even light a cigar next week. Who knows? So, I'll vote yes. Yes, I will not be against that. So, Brant Freeman on Thursday for us. We're still working on Brad Topham. He's got his schedule. Uh, he's a little busy right now with his day job at the Jambalaya Shop. Speaking of the Jambalaya Shop, go out and support a local business that supports the Cajuns. I know Brad would appreciate it, and so will the Cajuns. So, go out and see Brad one day. Great food. Great time. And, by the way, if I can make a do a, a shameless self-promotion thing, um, there is a new lifestyle magazine out called rue and and it just it's just hitting the newsstands now there is a uh there's an article on matt deggs uh in there and yes i wrote it um but it uh, you know for those of you that you know want to read up on on some stuff pick up a copy of it uh it's got a a great picture um a, a full page picture of matt kind of leaning on a bat you know standing there and um yeah so go ahead and pick it up, and we'll uh, it's absolutely free. Yeah. Thanks for that notice. And if I remember right, you're going to be doing some some work for Rue, right? You're going to well, contribute. I, I did I did that that story uh, and uh, also a, a story on a good friend of mine, DJ Digital. Um, and in the next uh, the next issue is going to be a quarterly thing. I'll have a um, a little piece on uh, Jared Doe's over at Legends. Oh. And uh, what he's done with. That uh, little franchise that started on Bertrand Drive and now has like 10 locations. And uh, also a piece on, uh, kind of a where are they now piece on uh, the the rock band Boss Kloss, which Uh was very popular in the Lafayette area, late 70s into the mid 80s. And they just come out with a new CD and a new video. And still is very popular with Jay in his heart. So that's absolutely correct. And Jay, where can we hear you on the radio? I know Tuesday mornings with Scott Prather on yeah. ESPN 1420. Yep. Tuesday morning, uh, eight to nine with Scott on ESPN 1420. And also a little piece on Wednesday morning with Raymond Parch at one Oh three, seven, the game. Uh, and that is uh, about seven thirty six on Tuesday morning goes about 10, 12 minutes. And you can hear me on footnotes from, uh, 10, 15 to 10, 45, most Tuesdays, if not at 10, 15 to 10, 45, I'm on from 9, 15 to 9, 45. And where can we hear you, Josh? You can hear me, hear me here. Uh, that's about it. And I don't have any self promotions, but I would remind everybody that if you can, you know, empty your piggy banks and pockets and drop a couple of bucks into the RCAF fund, uh, when you get a chance, uh, guys depend on it. So yes, big things going on around the complex. It is very exciting, new new volleyball coach, and uh, going forward. So we'll see what happens, guys. Yep. So thank you for coming out, Josh, Jay. Um, May thank you, Sha. Always enjoy it. Remember, this is uh, we're talking podcasts. We talk just about everything. Hopefully, we get into our bourbon discussion here shortly. We are going to be talking Major League Baseball and memories, and we've got lots coming up. So. Please continue to listen. Please uh, support Raging Cajun Athletic Foundation. Please support the businesses that support the Cajuns. 
Thank you and good night from my house, Craig Melanson. See you on behalf of Jay Walker, Josh Jagno. I'm Craig Melanson. Have a good night and enjoy it. Any redistribution or reproduction of any part or all of the contents in any form is prohibited, except, ah, uh, who the hell are we kidding? Distribute it, share it, put it in your podcast, broadcast it, or put it on social media. Just give credit where credit's due.